on this episode. I was talking about music is my life. Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be the tune, you know, because it starts out just now and then along the road. I'll hear a song, and if I'm sold, I make friends with it. For music is my life. Recorded live in the corner booth at the center of the Coachella Valley universe, this is Big Conversations Little Bar. Now, your hosts, Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar. We're already having fun. We're we started having fun uh, long before we punched record on this baby. That's for sure. We are here at Skip Page's Little Bar, the center of the Coachella Valley Universe. My name is Patrick Evans. I'm joined by my co-host Randy Florence. Good afternoon. The uh, we call him Old Reliable. He's here. Well, you added week. the reliable. <laughs> oh, old reliable. I was just old last week. Well, I did. I, well, I I'm the older. <laughs> <laughs> that voice you hear yes. should be a very familiar voice. She is a Grammy Award winning artist, and uh, she calls the Coachella Valley home, but she is a citizen of the world. We are Aww. so lucky to have one of the greatest jazz vocalists. Mm-hmm. Diane Shore is here, otherwise known as Deedles, which is what we will call you for the remainder of the podcast, if that's I okay. I love it. Of course it is. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you, Pat. We're really excited that you're here. Oh, I'm I'm really happy to be here. How long have you been in the desert? My first night was spent here on, let's see, July 26th of 2012. Okay. So. And you've been here since. I have. Wow. Full time. Full time. Even in the summer. Even in the summer. (laughs) Even through the heat. Even through the heat. Even through Hurricane Hillary. Uh, It's been a weird year, hasn't it? It's been very strange. Yeah. 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 And and yet you agreed to come on our podcast, which makes it it a little bit weirder. Hey, man, I live in Cat City, so. I'm close. You're close to your neighbor, too. You That's right. I live in Cat, Cat City as well. Oh, do you? I do, yeah. We're not very far apart. Oh, I uh, didn't know that. All right. Uh, so, but you have been, you are still traveling and touring. Uh-huh. Uh, tell us about some of your most recent trips and where you've been traveling and singing. Oh, God. As I get older, it gets blurrier. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's almost easier to talk about what is coming up, but... Uh, oh, I've been, you know, I've been working with big bands and, you know, just doing all sorts of of, uh, of different things. Now, you were in Italy for a little while performing, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was in June. Thank you for refreshing my memory. Um, <laughs> yes, I- Italy and then on to Germany. And uh, that was really a lot of fun. You've been there before. Yes, to both. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in Italy through the years performing. Uh, the three countries, we'll see, Japan and Italy outside of the U.S. are the, the gigs that I performed at most. Do you find that their audiences are just uh, more appreciative of the music? Is that, uh, is that the draw? I think that's part of it. Um, people just love music, and it's... A very healing kind of uh, uh, kind of thing, you know. 
do, do, are, are there any of those that you visited where jazz is a bigger issue to them than other forms of music? Or was there a time when you went in and you were kind of showing them what jazz was? Um, well, maybe at some of the colleges. <laughs> <laughs> Once they came down. <laughs> I'm not high anymore. Now uh, I know what jazz now is. Now I know what jazz is. <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you got started okay. in the music business. Because uh, you've been doing this for a while and you've garnered a couple of Grammys. You yes. have had some landmark albums. Uh, Thank uh, you. Your album with the Count Basie Orchestra was at the top of the charts for something like 33 weeks. 33 weeks, wow. yeah. Wow. And it's just crazy. I know. I, I, it's just one of those magic times. And How did that come me. together, Deedles? Uh, with the Count Basie Orchestra? Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, I belong to a record company called GRP Records. That's Dave Grusin. You know, he wrote a lot of wonderful scores, including mm-hmm. on Golden Pond and so on. Wow. And, and uh, Larry Rosen. Um, I was GRP Productions. And uh, he said, hey, Deeds. You know, wouldn't it be great if you could do something with the Count Basie Orchestra? Well, it turned out that we toured all over Japan. We were supposed to actually make an album in Japan, mm-hmm. but we all, a oh, bunch of us, we all got food poisoning. Oh, and no. so the next day, I'll never forget it, I had to have a shot. And they couldn't find a vein. They finally shot me in the posterior. <laughs> but Frank's, uh, Frank uh, Foster found out about it because he was the leader of the band. And he goes, you know, Deedles, you'd make a sad junkie. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to shoot yourself in the butt, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't see a lot of that on the streets. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> so let's, let's go way back. Um, Tacoma. There was a point early on where everybody realized music was something that you could do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that kind of started and where it went from there. Well, I did uh, my first professional gig. In fact, it'll be 60 years on January 4th of next year that wow. I did my first professional date in Tacoma at the Holiday Inn. And you can actually, there's a recording that I did called Some Other Time where this particular tune, September in the Rain, you can find it. I think it's like track 12. Mm. And that's when I was a little girl. I was 10. Wow. How did that come together? How did you end up performing at that hotel that day? Um, my Aunt Bet, well, <laughs> her first name was Elizabeth, but we called her Bet. So she was very determined that I should be a part of that. I guess you could say she was my very first manager. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she took the role on. Oh my God, did she ever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's how that came about. It was a Saturday afternoon. And Mama was in the audience, and so was my dad. And did you know at that moment that's what you wanted to do? I think... Is it Randy, right? Yeah, it is, yes. Yeah. You know, Rand, I think I knew, even before that, mm. that I wanted to take this on and see how far I could go. W- were you already in line with a specific type of genre of music, or were you kind of exploring at that point? Um, 
jazz I've always loved. Mm -hmm. I I had actually I had vocal training uh, when I was 11 years old at the University of Puget Sound, and I guess for all intents and purposes, I was in college that year. Mm. And, and what's so ironic about that is I'm going back to the University of Puget Sound to do a gig for Valentine's Day next year. Wow. No, great fun. Yeah, with the big band and all that. So. Do you go back home often? Back home. Tacoma. Uh, n- no, not that much. Mm. Mm-mm. Home is here, Randy. It's a cathedral city. Yeah, in Cat City. That's, you, <laughs> you know, know, I feel like the people have adopted me, so. You are blessed with perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. So, I bet a lot of other musicians are pretty jealous of that. These days, we hear a lot of people using auto-tune. You've yeah. never had to do that because you're no. perfect pitch. Basically, I mean, the other day I was, uh, I was in a gathering and, Somebody pushed their chair back, and I was talking, and I go, oh, that was an E-flat. <laughs> everybody just cracked up. There must have been about 100 of us. So it was pretty funny. Who was the first person who picked up on that you had perfect pitch? My cousin. Um, his name was Brian Cockums, and uh, he, would, he would hit a G, and he says, yeah, that's a G. And I go, no, it's an E-flat. <laughs> And uh, and so on. So I've always had it. Nobody taught it to me. It's one of those things I've always had. And that first song was What a Difference a Day Makes? The first song that I think I ever really heard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by Dinah Washington. I know it was recorded in 1959, uh, but I started experimenting with music when I was two. And... How, what did that? What did that look yeah, like? Yeah, how did you experiment, experiment with music? What were you doing? I was in I was in my closet actually. Yeah. Because I was kind of shy, and to keep the rhythm, I'd go. Uh, what I'm doing, ladies and gentlemen, is I'm going. I'm rocking back and forth, mm-hmm. and on the downbeat, putting my my uh, hand on, you know, like thumping my chest mm-hmm. so I could keep the rhythm of it. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. And you started so, that at two years old. You were already doing that, keeping time to yeah, music. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was playing with uh, forks and spoons and jangling them together and all of this kind of stuff. And Did your parents play a lot of music around that? Were you come from a household that was full of music? or was Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, my dad played by ear, and Mama would buy these wonderful albums, uh, Duke Ellington. Mm. It's one of my favorite albums is uh, an album called In My Solitude. I think it was during the Capitol years and uh, and everything. And I used to listen to a lot of that. And Sarah Vaughn, you know, she had a wonderful album called After Hours. Mm-hmm. And, mm. oh, do you remember that? I remember that. I remember album. that album. Oh, my God. <clears throat> it was just heartbreakingly wonderful. Yeah, that was oh. an album. I mean, it's a, the music to... Sit and drink and cry by. It's That's a, for sure. Yeah, it is. Cause so now you perform. I mean, so many. And this is not an exhaustive list of people you performed with, but people like Ray Charles and Frank Sinatra and Quincy Jones and even Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, talk a little bit about performing. Like, uh, give me a Frank Sinatra story. Uh, let's see. We didn't perform together, but what what happened was is that. Uh, Liza Minnelli 
Manelli took sick and sick, and so I needed, uh, or they needed to a replacement, and so I was the replacement. And so uh, I'd just done a gig somewhere in Oklahoma, like Normand or some place like that. Flew back to Palm Springs, not knowing all the way back then in '88 that I would live here someday. Uh, well, anyway, stayed at Frank Sinatra's compound and would have breakfast at the house. And Quincy Jones, he used to come up to me every day as we were walking, and he'd go, Hey, Deeds, are you living large? <laughs> <laughs> and your answer? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Do you have an appreciation for those situations that you found yourself in oh, at Frank Sinatra's compound yeah. docking with Quincy Jones? Yeah, Quincy Jones, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, John Connery. Uh, no, not John Connery. I'm sorry. Roger Moore mm. uh, and others. It, it was quite amazing, that whole experience, and to be able to do tunes like Deedles Blues with Quincy Jones uh, conducting uh, the orchestra, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and he's still going strong at 90, Quincy Jones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remarkable, remarkable. Um, you were on The Tonight Show, uh, gosh, a bunch of times. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about those experiences, being, uh, being on The Johnny Carson Show. Well, um, the first show that I did was in 1986, and it was... Uh, when Timeless came out, that was the album that won the first Grammy. Mm. And, and you won back-to-back Grammys, 86 and 87. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and actually I was at the pre-telecast in, uh, in uh, 86 when the Timeless album won. I was so, so jazzed. Oh, I bet. And, uh, wow. So the first <laughs> time, it was it with Johnny Carson? Uh, on well, the Tonight Show? Well, the, the, in 86, yeah. And then uh, I was on The Tonight Show from 1986 with Johnny until uh, 1982. And 92. I'm, 92, yeah. I'm sorry. Did I say 82? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Nobody uh, listens to us anyway, Dennis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sometimes I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Anyhow. <laughs> anyway, 92. Uh and it was the week before the last show that Johnny had. And then in 94, I was on The Tonight Show with B.B. King. And that's when that album came out, Heart to Heart. So. B.B. King. Yeah. And that album also went to the top of the charts. It did. Uh, so uh, when you were performing on The Tonight Show, uh, Carson was a, was a drummer. He was a musician. Yes. Uh, he had a great appreciation for the musicians on his show. Yes, did you get did. to interact with him much? More off the show than on. Uh, he would always come by my dressing room and say hello, and we'd talk about my brother, who was a pilot, and I used to talk to him about the stunt flying I used to do with my brother, with my twin brother. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun having those conversations. Oh, I can imagine. treated me very graciously. So, yeah, what a life. All right, so you won uh, the Grammy in 86. Yes. And that followed up 87. What was the album in 87? Diane Schur and the Count Basie Orchestra. That was the album. 
So Timeless you, was the first one. Ti- oh, t- okay. So was Timeless the was the first Grammy, and, and yes. the Count Basie was second. Correct. Marvelous. Yes. And you started out kind of uh, people like Count Basie and such were asking you to join in and perform with them. As you are in your career now, are people reaching out to you to say, I would like you to come in and record something with me? Yeah, it happens once in a while. Uh, you know, it, it hasn't happened for quite a while, but, you know, when uh, Running on Faith came out mm-hmm. on the 8th of May of 2020, pandemic was in full swing. So it's been a bit of a restart for a lot of us musicians after all that. How did that impact you, Beatles? Oh, financially it impacted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm still okay. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, I, I just found myself getting a lot of things from Amazon. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon and Grubhub. Yeah, Grubhub. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> so, so talk to us about um, you. You've got a special event coming up in the near future here. Yes, Diana Sure at seventy. Yes. Talk to us about that. Oh, you're talking about the Purple Room. The Purple Room. Okay. Um, that's going to be happening on the first and second of December. And I'm real excited about that. Um, and a lot of the songs will be what I've done as far as my repertoire through the years, like What a Difference a Day Makes, the song you were just mentioning a few minutes ago. Uh, that arrangement is from the album Pure Sure. I'll be doing things like, uh, there's a beautiful tune called Music Is My Life. Um, and there's the album with the same name. It was written by Carol Coates, and uh, he died recently. He was a brilliant songwriter. He wrote things like London by Night and uh, New York on Sunday and different things, but this song, Music is My Life, is very special for me, and uh, he was a very, very dear friend. And, and of course, everybody pretty much has a nickname. I used to call him Coco. <laughs> he was a—he was the best man at my wedding too. Really? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, and he was the ring bearer actually. And I—I I <laughs> remember going, you know, he's trying kind of like floundering like around for it, the yeah. ring, you know. And <laughs> I go, "You'd better have it, Coco." <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> I, I officiate weddings, and that is a standard process of every wedding. Uh huh. When the best man starts looking for the ring. Yep. <laughs> Well, I'm no exception. Yeah, I always have to plan in an extra 30 seconds into the ceremony for that. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you you um, spent a lot of time in the studio. I have. Talk to us, and, and I've had the opportunity to be in studios watching some people do some stuff, and the energy levels in there when it's going right oh, yes. are, are pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about some of the most special studio time that you've had with some of the people you've played with. Well, um the thing that I remember so fondly is that working with live orchestras, mm-hmm. with the strings, with everything, with the French horns, with the oboes, all of it, at the same time, mm. you know, uh, like at Capitol. I worked at that studio than more than any other studio. 
in in my life, and I just loved it a lot. Mm-hmm. Timeless was done at Capitol, and uh, and what we would do is we would do like you know all of the songs and stuff like that, and if there were any fixes as you know what that means uh-huh. <laughs> uh, then I could just come in later and do that but oh to be able to be surrounded by all these wonderful people it's phenomenal. and get you know it it doesn't exist as much anymore you know why do you think that is uh, probably because you know electronics uh, yeah. synthesizers I'm not complaining about it. It's just the way that it is. So, Yeah, I mean, with the whole move towards AI and, and um, auto-tune and synthesizers, it, the oh. old style of the natural recordings have kind of gone by the wayside. To well, and it's degree. so expensive to record in front of a band and pay all the musicians. Oh, and, you know. I know. I know. But, you know, I heard a tune by the Beatles that was just put out called now and now then. and then right and it was wonderful amazing oh yeah it's just amazing that ai could you know could do that recreate it yeah, yeah i don't think that ai is going to take over i don't care what anybody says ai is only as smart as the people who program it well then you don't want me programming it <laughs> it's going to be the dumbest thing on. oh the i don't believe that for a minute <laughs> You did an album called Swingin' for Sure. Yes. With Maynard Ferguson. Yes. Oh. And uh, I, I grew up, I, I played a little trumpet as a mm. kid. Mm-hmm. How big was it? Little? It, it was a bugle. Oh. It's a very small trumpet. Came in a Captain Crunch cereal box. <laughs> now, I played oh. trumpet as a kid. And I, Maynard Ferguson was one of those guys. I mean, he was inimitable, and he could hit those incredible high notes. Oh, I know. Uh, what a cool album that must have been. Oh, can I tell you a story about that? Yeah, please. please. Well, <clears throat> we were doing, you know, we had just finished a session. We were taking a break. This is on June 7th of 2001. And my husband, uh, Rocket, his name was Les Crockett, but I used to call him Rocket. Rocket. Yeah. Remember me talking about Rocket, yes. right? Yes, I do. <laughs> Rocket. Well, anyway, he, he comes in and he goes, deedly-doo. There's some roast chicken upstairs, because upstairs at Capitol, you know, was the oh. big uh, room for meals and for people, the musicians to hang out. And I got so excited, and I started running up the stairs. Can picture this? And all of a sudden, this foldable music stand. I knock into it. And it bends my finger back like a claw, and I broke my baby finger on my right hand. We had to stop the session. At least I had to stop my portion of it and go to Cedar sinai Hospital and get it set by Dr. David Finkel. (laughs) Is that on the liner notes of the album? No, I don't know whatever happened to old Davy Finkel. I don't know. That's a story. It is. Well, the worst part is you never got the chicken. No, I guess I didn't. (laughs) And I just thank you for thinking about that because I hadn't thought about that. But anyway, for three months, I couldn't play. That had to be difficult. It was a trip. I had, there were local gigs that we'd had contracted and, and I went to Japan. Luckily, they found a brilliant piano player 
and who did a great job, but it was it was different. Now, once you got once the finger had healed, mm-hmm. uh, did you feel like you could play the same, or did it take a little while to kind of rehab the hand? No, it it was cool. It felt the same. So Finkel did a good job. Finkel did a good job, and then there was another time. <clears throat> we had just started with uh, a tour with Concord Records. We were in Naples, Florida. It was the first night. I came off stage, and my God, I was in ex- such excruciating pain. Couldn't figure it out. And I called a doctor that I used to know who's now deceased. Her nickname was Blondie. And I said, oh, Blondie, I don't know what's going on. And she goes, Deeds, I think you'd probably better go to the hospital. Mm. And because she knew it probably was what it turned out to be, which was, uh, oh, come on now, deeds. What, what, you know, I lead, lead to this and then it goes blank. I hate that. I guess I'm getting older. I had to uh, have my, um, appendix? Pe- no, not no. appendix. Uh, no, now you're guessing too. See, um, now we're all just guessing what deeds had wrong with her. Let's see. Uh, it's, I'm getting more concerned by the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's called not the appendix. It's something you don't need. Your gallbladder. Uh, gallbladder. That's it. Randy. That was ding, a ding, total ding, guess. Ding, ding, winner, I didn't know winner, whether I needed winner. it or not. I feel like we're on Jeopardy with Deedles. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to have your gallbladder out? I had to have my gallbladder out. The next morning, I, you know, that's what I found out. And I, and I said, can I use your phone? And, of course, I don't think I, don't think I took my my iPhone with me, but what happened is I called Rocket and I said, can you focus? That's what Amelia Earhart used to tell her her, really? uh, her father or, you know, or one of the people that were the pilots because he'd be drunk the night before. <laughs> can you focus? And, and I said, Rocket, I'm in the hospital. Would you fly out to Naples, Florida? Because he was in Orange County. Mm-hmm. We lived in Orange County at the time. Okay. So he, he flew out and I had my operation the next morning and and uh, I'll never n- forget his name, the nickname maybe, but was, his name was Chip. That's the anesthesiologist. Sure. Well, anyway, um, Rocket found a couple of nurses and myself. I had my laptop with me, and we were playing Spirit in the Dark by Diane Shure and B.B. King. And <laughs> oh, it was so funny. And um, anyway, yeah, he stayed with me. He had a uh, he had a bed at the other end of the, you know. We shared a room. It was it was beautiful. And that's not a simple operation. Recovery no. must have taken a while. And then, if I may, I've got one more story, if I may. Oh, absolutely. As many as you want. Uh, oh, bless your heart. I have, um, what happened was, is I was telling you about uh, when I broke my finger. Mm-hmm. Well, there was some pretty big chuck holes going to Cedar Sinai. And I think there were a few different things, but uh, my back started hurting uh, really badly. And um, like in C4, 5, and uh, yeah, C4, 5, and 6, mm. come to find out I had what they call generically degenerative disease, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and so I had to have my. Um, uh, not my vocal cords, but one of the branches leading to my vocal cords removed. Oh my! And I that had, had to, to be a little nerve-wracking for a singer. Yeah, it, it, the esophagus and the vocal cords had to be moved to the right, 
and it was uh, uh, and they the per, the doctor the neurosurgeon his name was Mark Anderson did it from the front and this was done on January 13th of 2001 not wow. January I'm sorry November 13th 2001 wow. and so uh, but anyway and yes one in a hundred people would never be able to sing again after having an operation oh my like gosh that. but not me I was able to <laughs> carry on and about 15 days later I actually attended um, uh, let's just, uh, Clint Eastwood's birthday party 70th Ooh. to be exact and I played you know I sang with a big orchestra and he he just loved it and the whole thing. It was really, uh, really quite wonderful. So that's that's just one of many stories that I've I've had. And I I had to wear a soft brace for around the house. And then if I were in a car, I'd have to wear a hard brace. And before my husband, my late husband, came down with Parkinson's disease, uh, he had to put on the hard brace you know and that's not an easy thing to yeah. do but yeah. he did it for three months and so but anyway that's just another one of the stories how, that i've how, been able to get through how soon after that did you realize that you still had your voice because i imagine that had to be a little bit concerning uh, well actually when i was coming out of anesthesia and i don't remember this at all but the doctor says all right deeds Sing Do Re Mi, oh. and I did. And, and he goes, "Oh, she's fine." Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> that's a great. Story. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it's funny to me because we pulled up an album, and then you immediately came to an injury that occurred during that album, which was the broken finger with when you were recording with Maynard Ferguson. Yeah, yes. those aren't usually full contact sports. Yeah, you're you know? not supposed to. But you know, I want to go back to that album for a second because sure. it, because first yeah. of all, how much fun was it working with Maynard? Do you want to know a secret? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but I don't think it matters. He's, he's, Maine wouldn't mind. He's, you know, he's deceased now. Yes, too. he's no longer with us. Right. But anyway, the thing is, is his wife had Alzheimer's disease and she had escaped from the hotel that they were staying at. Oh, no. So he couldn't make the sessions. He had to make them later in Santa Barbara. Oh my gosh. So, oh, so you did, the, you piped him in yeah, essentially exactly well yeah. i love that album because you play some incredible tunes like Thank autumn you. leaves which i absolutely oh. adore and okay. east of the sun west of the moon which I, oh. I i think is one of the great songs and that's just that album is chock full of really terrific tunes do you remember though patrick that right at the first of the tune where they go you know, and, and that note that the, the trumpet player hit was so high, there was actually feedback. Oh. And so oh. when you listen to it next time, you'll hear the feedback. Oh, now I'm going to listen for <laughs> the that. The start popping out of your mouth. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. funny. That is funny. I know. I know. It's well, hilarious. What is, um, if, if, if you had mm -hmm. to, if somebody asked you to perform one song that would tell them what they need to know about Deedles, what would that song be? Boy, that's a wow. Let, let me just have a couple seconds to think. Sure. Um, well, Deedles Blues is fun uh, from the Count Basie Orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, 
You know, I think I was talking about music is my life. Mm -hmm. I think that would probably be the tune, you know, because it starts out just now and then along the road. I'll hear a song, and if I'm sold, I make friends with it. For music is my life. Anyway, oh. and it, it just goes, you know. I got goosebumps. And, and that's one, one of the tunes I'll be doing for the performance at the, uh, at the Purple Room, for sure. That's know? amazing. What, what Every venue has a personality, it has a sound, it has its acoustics. Mm -hmm. Talk about a couple of your favorite places to play. For a club atmosphere, I would have to say the Purple Room is one. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael Holmes, too, being a musician oh. himself, he's so great to work with and he adores his musician friends. Oh, I love Michael. He's such a wonderful person and I've seen him... Uh, be uh, Judy in the Judy show. Yes, it's hysterical. <laughs> Incredible. He let me cop a feel of his outfit. <laughs> <laughs> in front of the audience. I thought that was pretty This is cool. the most blue podcast that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think we can make it bluer. I mean, she does sing the blues. Don't tempt That's me. true. That's true. Uh, she was telling us some really interesting stories before we started rolling. Now, um, you performed at the White House. I I have. Tell us about that occasion. <laughs> so, so talk about how do you find out? Did they just call and say, "Hey, we want you to play at the White House"? That's exactly what happened. Stan wow. Getz called me in his raspy voice and asked me <laughs> if I wanted to perform at the White House. And in the days when I was tipping and tripping, let's just say that I was—I had a—I just eaten a pizza and was sipping on a beer, and he says, "How would you like to come to the White House?" and so okay, I don't I don't think I have an, any gigs at that point in time. So <laughs> I think I can make it. I think I can make it. Oh, and it was it was really cool, you know. Um, oh gosh, I remember running up and down the stairs, <laughs> that oval st staircase I think they've got at the White House, and uh, and it was really cool. And I played with such. In fact, you can you can find it on the website or on YouTube. Um, my performance at the White House. Mm. Uh, I jammed with uh, Stan Getz, of course. And, right. Uh, Itzhak Perlman was on uh, violin, and oh uh, and so was uh, Chick Corea was on piano, and um, who else? John Fattis and Dizzy Gillespie were both playing. Oh wow! Yeah, we did a tune called "Summertime," so. That was amazing, and I did a couple of tunes before that. Who One was the president? Reagan. But Nancy uh, Reagan was there, and uh, and at the end, you'll see her come up and give me a great big hug. And, oh, wow. And I go, who is this? <laughs> Anybody who, who can lip read, you know. Yeah. Nancy Reagan, and I go, oh, that Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, That's a, is that the only time at the White House? That you perform? No, uh, I perform at the Senator's Wives' Luncheon in 84. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, in 2016, something really special happened for you. And I remember because I was there. And you got a star on the mm. Palm Springs Walk of Stars. Yes. 
and next year's. It's very close. Yes, we are we are neighbors. Uh huh. I didn't, and I appreciate you saying that, but I didn't bring it up to talk about mine. I wanted to talk about your star because <laughs> I, that's a very. I mean, it's one of those moments where. You know, this this day will never come again. Getting the star on the Paul Street right. Walk of Stars. It's a- You're right. Yeah. It's, in fact, uh, my assistant uh, who, li- who uh, you remember Owen Cartwright? Oh, absolutely. Owie. Owie and yeah, I, Owie. We, we spent some time together. Yeah, he, he moved to Connecticut, but he was responsible for raising the funds uh, to help that to happen. Isn't that cool? Yeah, oh, we got uh, several people involved, and I, I helped uh, out as well. And it was, but it was. Uh, and I thank you. It was a really special moment to be it there. It sure was, and I got down on my knees and remember, and I I explored it and everything. Oh yeah, and and it's there forever, forever. I know it'll outlive me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> it'll be here when we're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything in the future plans? Are you going back into the studio anytime soon? Uh, let's just put it this way, to be determined. <laughs> TBD, but yeah, TBD. you are about to celebrate a birthday. I am. On the 10th of December, and uh, I'll be 70. No. Yeah. But people, a lot of people say I don't look it. You don't, you don't look it at all. But huh? it, it, I think that's pretty remarkable. That you, your very first performance was when you were 10 years old. That's right. You have been performing in front of audiences for 60 years. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty good uh, milestone. It is. It is a good milestone. I mean, I know Tony Bennett worked until he was like 95 or so, and... Uh, but hey, I think his wife was just making him do it for the money. No, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I'm only blind because I'm, you know, for the insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just blew it by saying it on this podcast. Ah. The one listener we <laughs> have is an insurance adjuster. Yeah, she oh. did. She did drive herself up. So oh, you know, there goodness. were questions. <laughs> questions we have. Uh, um, in the music industry, uh, there there are a lot of people who who don't read music. And perform incredibly well. You you obviously don't read music, but you perform it with with absolute ease and dexterity. Thank you. Uh, how did you talk about building that skill as a young person? <coughs> you talk about playing, or yeah, yeah, the the playing aspect of what you do because I think it's pretty remarkable. Well, what I can do is tell you that. I took lessons from a blind lady. Her name was uh, Nadine Lassard. Oh, I'm glad I only forgot the word. Uh, what was that word? Uh, gallbladder. Gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the gallbladder episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are not a glumlot, as they say. No. Well, anyway, um, getting back to Nadine, uh, she taught me the basics of playing um, like okay you've seen a piano you see what it looks like right sure all right you know that you know where middle C is right or any of the C's yes well there's two flats above it and then there's three flats above the G chord and through that simplicity I was able to learn to do a lot of other things 
you know, uh, the jazz voicings and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It really, it really has, it's like typing, you know, you, you're in your home row. Well, that's what piano playing is as well. And you don't have to see to do it. Well, it's a remarkable skill to be able to do that and to do it without sight. I've tried to play the piano. <laughs> and I can see all the keys, and I'm not very good at it. It's, it's just a really, uh, and, and I love, uh, I've, I've seen you play on a couple of occasions. Oh, thank you. And it's just, it's, it's really a joy to watch and to listen to. But it's it, like lightning. It's like. It is. It's like, you know, let's just like go from, and it's like within a nanosecond. You have very fast hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're playing on the piano. Let oh, me oh, clarify okay. that. I was backing up a little bit <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm feeling close I already. I said a word. I said a word. <laughs> this has been so much fun. So, so how are you going to how are you going to celebrate your 70th yeah. birthday? Well, I'm going to celebrate it twice in one day. My friend uh whose name is Gary. I don't think he ever met Lightning, uh, but he's a very dear friend of mine. We're going to go to Spencer's, yeah. and uh, that'll, be, that'll be on the 10th of December. And then my friend David, uh, he and his partner, we're, we're going to go to a place called Texas Jack, isn't it, Davey? Cactus. Cactus, oh, Cactus Jack. Jack. Oh, very well, famous I was close. Place. Thank <laughs> you, dear. <laughs> You're only 1,500 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Cactus. <laughs> Cactus Jack. Yeah. yeah that's, that's. Uh, Where they got the best prime rib. I'm that's told. what I They heard. really yeah. do. Uh, I can't wait. They really do. I can just, oh my God. I think I'm just going to follow you around for oh, some good meals God, here I'm in the just, near future. It, oh, and for those who like a cocktail, they, uh, this is just a random plug for Cactus Jacks. One of, of the best pours in the valley. Oh, great. Well, I'll and just probably do Diet Coke or let's, something. Let's, Patrick knows. <laughs> pa great. He's got a podcast on the pours. Mm. <laughs> hey, that'd actually be a good one. No, I have a podcast and I'm poor. That's the, oh, those I, are two I different things. <laughs> two different things. Oh, well, my Patrick, gosh. this has been... A, Incredible time. Deedles, I can't tell you how important it was that you came on this show oh, for Randy. You gave us instant credibility. Oh, well, she did. Well, I, I want to tell my favorite Deedles story. Please. Oh, I uh, can't wait. We I'm were, all ears. And, uh, does it involve the gallbladder? <laughs> no, it does not. Okay. It does nothing At the time this team. happened, she already didn't have one. That's uh, true. We used to go to a, a little place in Cathedral City called Cellos, and they would have music. That's right. And uh, there was a group of us, I think probably eight or nine of us at mm -hmm. Cellos, to go have a little dinner and listen to some music. Right. And a song came on that I particularly liked. I don't remember what it was at this time. And I started to clap to the two. And I was sitting next to Deedles, and she grabbed my arm, and she goes, no, 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 it's, on, it's, it's one and three, Patrick, <laughs> not two and four. That's right. <laughs> you told me that story. That's awesome. And, and remember this. You know, I had a, when I couldn't remember the GB, the gallbladder, that's a Jazzheimer moment. <laughs> Jazzheimer. Uh, I love that. So always remember one and three. One and three. Cactus yeah. Jack. Cactus Jack. <laughs> Gallbladder. Gallbladder. Those three things we are going to successful uh, podcast. Wish you a very happy seventieth and many oh, happy birthday. happy returns. Keep performing. Thank you. Dear. The Purple Room show will be fantastic. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. We adore you. We love the music, but we really appreciate you stopping by and doing this well, for us. Well, 
it's my pleasure. I had a feeling I was going to be wearing cans. That's headphones. <laughs> we have we have to we have to wear the cans in the bar. Yes, so. I, I figured. You know. What a delightful way to spend uh, almost an hour here with one of our favorite performers, Diane Shore. Deedles. Deedles. Yes. To her friends. Yes. yes. And thank you so much. Oh, Patrick, it's been a real pleasure for me. And Randy, thank you both. Wonderful to meet you. You're such cool cats. We are. Thank you for recognizing that. We're cooler now because we got Deedles. We're now cool. We have credibility now. On behalf of John McMillan, our producer, Randy, my co-host, and our fabulous guest, Diane Shore, we thank you for listening to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar. I'm Patrick Evans, and we will be back with another edition very soon. Thank you for joining us for Big Conversations, Little Bar, with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Hear our entire library of episodes from BigConversationsLittleBar.com or most major podcast portals. This podcast is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System.